there. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Dr. Nicole Rivera from Integrative Wellness Group, and I am here with the functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We work side-by-side in Belmar, New Jersey, practicing functional medicine and treating various chronic conditions. So on that note, today we're actually going to be talking about the Lyme's and lupus connection. And some of you might be thinking, you know, what do these two really have to do with each other? So we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about, you know, what Lyme's is, what lupus is, and how they potentially can be coexisting in the body. Yeah, hello everyone, and I'm glad, really glad you mentioned uh, kind of the differences, but also how they can be linked together, because I think, you know, we look at Lyme's as being more of of an infection versus lupus being more of an autoimmune condition, and, you know, you may have a diagnosis of either or, but really talking about how the two can really overlap and really coexist together. So finding out you know, the best possible uh, information you can about your body and then knowing the best way to um, manage that as well. So why don't you go ahead and explain a little bit more about each of those conditions for us? Sure, so Lyme's disease is, a, is known to be a tick-borne illness. Unfortunately, the more and more research that we do, we're finding out that Lyme's is something that can be caused by um, mosquitoes. It can also be carried by fleas as well as ticks. So it's not really always going to be that tick bite with that bullseye rash, which definitely can be associated with contracting Lyme's, but it also can be from other, other modalities nowadays. So with that being said, uh, Lyme's is something that is classified as a spirochete infection. So a spirochete is known as a bacteria, but it almost acts a little bit more like a parasite when it gets into the body. Uh, The other tricky part about Lyme's is it's something that is not typically in the blood. It's typically in the connective tissue of the body. Connective tissue is really the uh, tissue that connects your joints. So that is one of the reasons why there are so many manifestations with joint pain when it's really coming to something like a Lyme's disease diagnosis. Um, And typically we're going to see a lot of the joint pain in the larger joints. So anything from the ankles to the knees, um, as well as shoulders, hips, etc. So that's really some of the common symptoms. If Lyme's is persistent and it does get into the brain, which is definitely um, parts of the brain can be classified as connective tissue as well, we definitely can see a lot of behavioral changes, very erratic behavior, uh, poor decision making, um, shifts in our mood, everything from you know feeling angry to feeling pretty normal. We might even classify it as bipolar. Uh, you can definitely see a lot of mood manifestations when it comes to Lyme's. So when it comes to lupus, lupus is something that is classified as an autoimmune condition of the connective tissue. 
So with that, it means that the immune system is actually attacking the connective tissue of the body. So it definitely can affect that connective tissue that is, again, um, in the joints, so connecting your, your joints. And it also can be associated with connective tissue that is surrounding the organs. And that's when, you know, lupus, they're monitoring it to really see if it then eventually turns into something that is affecting the organs because obviously that is a lot more problematic because it can weaken the organs and it can also create a lot of problems and, um, you know, organ failure as well. Well, and I think it's interesting that you bring up the tick-borne aspect of Lyme's and we do have another podcast where we do talk a little bit more about Lyme's disease, so you can definitely head over there to learn more there. But we, we talk about how, you know, very commonly you have the bullseye rash and then maybe somewhere down the line you, you have the infection, you get diagnosed. But for a lot of people, they don't recall ever having that bullseye rash and yet somewhere down the line they do have that exposure. So it's important to note that, you know, you don't necessarily have to have that bullseye rash um, for the limes to be present. Yeah, the statistic is only 20% of people that have limes actually recall having that bullseye rash. So what are the symptoms? I know we talked about the um, connective tissue and the joints and maybe some of the neurological symptoms, but are there symptoms that are more, um, you know, more limes based or more lupus based? Um, and then are there some other ones that might cross over? Yeah, I think the symptoms of both limes and lupus can definitely look similar. So again, you can definitely be dealing with joint pain. You can definitely start to have weakness in your joints as well, especially if the connective tissue is being damaged. Uh, you can definitely start to have, uh, you know, different issues within within the organs. Um, you can start to have maybe dysfunction in the gastrointestinal system. You can have dysfunction in maybe the kidneys. You can have reoccurring infections. You definitely can be experiencing fatigue as well. Um, you know, fatigue that wipes you out. You know, you're really out of commission for a couple of days. Uh, and then again, it can definitely start to manifest as these different neurological symptoms. It could be just numbness and tingling. It could be, again, weakness. And it also can then start to affect your mood and start to see major shifts from everything from, you know, erratic behavior to really feeling, you know, a lot of anger, a lot of irritability, and then going through days that you feel pretty normal. Um, so it definitely can start to affect that. That's a usually a little bit later down the line that we start having those um, manifestations neurologically. And one thing that popped up for me is maybe even a previous diagnosis of another autoimmune condition kind of giving us a little bit more information that that autoimmune process has already started within the body. So maybe a previous diagnosis of Hashimoto's or some other type of autoimmune condition as well. Yeah, unfortunately, when the autoimmune process starts, sometimes it can then develop into various autoimmune conditions. That is a very common thing that we see. You just have to really understand that the mechanism of it is there there are things happening in the body that are taxing out the immune system and that is what then leads to the immune system really dysfunctioning so a lot of that has to do with different types of infections that we develop into the body and if there are various inf infections and these infections are then you know affecting the thyroid or affecting the connective tissue or whatever it is then the immune system really starts to compensate for that so with that, you might start to see that 
first of all, the immune system is, is overworked. Maybe you're developing a lot of swollen glands. Maybe you're getting sick a lot. Maybe you find yourself on antibiotic therapy a lot. And then, you know, as things progress, you can eventually develop those autoimmune conditions. I definitely want our listeners to learn a little bit more about the differences in testing because I think that's where things kind of get different here is, you know, Lyme's versus lupus doing the testing is what's really going to give them power to understand more about what exactly is going on because obviously management and support is going to be different in those different types of conditions. So why don't you give the kind of rundown on those different types? So testing for both lupus and Lyme's is typically going to be a blood test. So when you're looking for lupus, you want to first be testing something called the ANA, which is the anti-nuclear antibody. And this is available typically through Quest and LabCorp. It's uh, definitely run often when, especially when you're seeing integrated physicians, but um, that is going to give you a generalized marker for autoimmunity being in the mix. And then you do have to do an ANA comprehensive panel to really verify what type of autoimmune condition is happening. So typically you're going to see something called the anti-DSDNA, the anti-RNP, and the anti-Smith, which can be associated with lupus. Um, The most common that we see is definitely going to be the anti-DSDNA. So with that, again, this is going to be something that's done through Quest or LabCorp. So if you do suspect, you know, anything in the world of lupus, you know, you're having a lot of connective tissue problems, this is something that um, your traditional physician can run. Um, And then, of course, a typical integrative physician is going to run this uh, a little bit more routinely than maybe your average medical physician. Uh, So in addition, you can go a lot of routes when it's coming to the Lyme's disease. But the tricky part about Lyme's is it hides in the connective tissue. So in a perfect world, we would technically do a tissue biopsy to really see if Lyme's is in the picture because you're not always going to see Lyme's disease show up if it is hiding in the connective tissue. So typically, if you do find that there are other types of co-infections happening and you do have the history of maybe the bullseye rash, then you're going to do some type of treatment, which can uh, be an antimicrobial, antiparasitic, antibacterial protocol. And then in about six weeks, you can test for the Lyme's panel, which is the typical Western blot. And then you actually will see some of those bands come up out of range. And that will give you a better understanding of knowing if Lyme's is truly in the picture. We have different modalities that will help us to verify if Lyme's is in the body through muscle testing. So we will usually pair that up with some of the testing that we're doing uh, with labs because we will always make sure to do blood labs as well as stool analysis and other things that are appropriate to the person. But um, with that being said, there are some other things you might see if somebody does have Lyme's. They might have a severe iron deficiency as well due to Lyme's being also in the body with something called Babesia. Um, We also might see a really low white blood cell count, and we also might see a lot of other viruses present. We might see just a huge burden on the immune system with different types of viruses like the Epstein-Barr virus, the uh, herpes simplex virus, as well as the parvovirus, and even the cytomegalovirus. Um, We might see mold in the picture as well. 
So with all of this, you have to kind of piece the puzzle together for the person in order to really figure out if Lyme's is, is in the system. So the biggest reason for this podcast was because these conditions can overlap. And the reason being is if you do have an autoimmune condition that is affecting a specific part of your body, then the chances are that there is some type of infection that is stored within that tissue. So if you do have something like Lyme's disease, which is caused by spirochetes, then again, it could be in your connective tissue. That is the primary place where it will hide. It will not usually be in your blood unless it's over, over abundant. So if you have Lyme's in your connective tissue, it makes perfect sense that your immune system would then go to the connective tissue in order to fight off the Lyme's. In the event that your immune system is doing that, you are going to have damage to that tissue, which then can create a positive lupus marker. So you have to understand that there is a huge overlap with these two conditions because If there is infection in the connective tissue, then the immune system will make an effort to fight it off. And unfortunately, through that process, you can start to have damage to that connective tissue, which then again will manifest as something called lupus. I think it's kind of like a chicken or an egg scenario, like which came first, the chicken or the egg, because it's kind of like maybe they're both coexisting. Is it the lupus triggering the limes? Is it the limes triggering the lupus? Is it one or both? But I think the the most important take home is the testing is so important because it really, really, really gives us the information that we need to understand how do we support these things? How do we use supplementation and herbs and foods and all these things to help you manage these conditions or even you know help to improve your outcome um, if you don't know which is existing? And I think that's my next question to you is, um, you know, what would the differences be in, in support or management? Well, if you get diagnosed with lupus and there's no other testing done to check for infections, to check for limes, to check for viral burden, then your traditional therapies is going to be an immune suppressant. So for me and what I do and what I see on a daily basis, that's terrifying to me. Because if you do truly have Lyme's or you have some other type of infection that can be affecting your connective tissue, which there are definitely other infections out there, then you go on an immune suppressant to shut down your immune system and now your infections persist and they can really start to take over. So if you're someone who is diagnosed with lupus, you have gone down the traditional road of these therapies and you have gotten worse, then you need to do further testing. You really need to start exploring what else is going on in your body. Do you have infections? Do you have Lyme's? Do you have mold exposure? Do you have parasites in your gut? Because these are very, very common things that we're seeing on a daily basis. Um, The other thing, too, is if you do get diagnosed with Lyme's, the most traditional therapy is antibiotic therapy. So the most common things that we see associated with Lyme's is, first of all, again, it's classified as a bacteria, but it acts like a parasite. So if you go on antibiotic therapy, it doesn't always work very well. And don't get me wrong, it does depend on the, the, the severity and the chronicity, meaning how long the Lyme's has been in the picture, 
But if you do go on the traditional antibiotic therapy, it might not work very well because again, this is acting as a parasite. So you also will typically find parasites in the gastrointestinal system with someone who has Lyme. So going on almost more of an antiparasitic type of protocol can be more beneficial for somebody with Lyme. Again, you have to do the testing to figure out what is really going on. Are there viruses? Are there parasites? Are, is there yeast in the gut? There's a lot of things to consider, but you need to piece the puzzle together to really understand how to best support that person. Because unfortunately, when you go and you get that diagnosis of Lyme or you get a diagnosis of lupus, it's usually not the only piece to the puzzle. There's usually a lot of other things that are going on and you need to figure that out so that you can truly get better and then not put yourself at risk of going down the traditional methods of therapy and getting worse. Because if you have gone down that road and you got worse, there's something else going on that somebody hasn't figured out yet. So working with a functional medicine physician, an integrative physician can help you to piece that puzzle together so that you can get on the right path. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, I think one thing that you didn't mention that was kind of lighting up in my mind is, you know, you talked about how an immune suppressant would further exacerbate maybe the limes, but also if somebody goes on an antibiotic for limes, that might further exacerbate an, uh, an autoimmune condition because the gastrointestinal system is so involved. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, going back again to that chicken or the egg situation, which one really is it? Because it can be dangerous to go down some of those routes without really knowing the full picture. Yeah. And I think like the moral of the story to really sum this up is the biggest pattern that we see is there are some major things that suppress the immune system. One of them is mold. One of them is heavy metals. So if either one of those are in the picture, mercury exposure, aluminum exposure, unfortunately, these are things that we get exposed to on a very, um, or very commonly on a daily basis. So if there's heavy metals in the picture, especially if you live in an industrialized area, you have to consider that that's a very strong possibility. Um, You maybe went to school and there was mold in the building. Maybe you worked in a place there was mold. Maybe you lived in a house that had mold. Those are two things that will really start to affect your immune system. So then from there, you are now opened up to a lot of different infections. And if you got sick a lot because your immune system was compromised and maybe you had a lot of antibiotics in your life and maybe you had a lot of steroid therapy in your life, prednisone, things like that, then boom, now you have something else that's stressing out your immune system. So from there, over a lifetime, you start to just get exposed to things that the that a normal healthy body would get rid of and fight off. But instead, because your immune system is compromised, now you can get the Epstein-Barr virus in your body and it can persist. You can get, you know, a, a, a pneumonia, but it can persist in the lungs and, and be active for long periods of time. Or you can get bit by that tick and you can manifest the Lyme's disease because your body can't fight it off. So it starts to be this snowball effect that happens. So when autoimmunity is in the picture, you absolutely have to look at what stressed out your immune system in the first place? And secondly, how many infections do you have? Do you have infections at all? And are these infections in your blood? Are they in your gut? Are they in both? So these are really, really important things to consider. And unfortunately, I think that when it comes to infections, they're missed because 
infectious disease doctors are the ones that, you know, that's their expertise, that's their specialty. And unless you're seeing a infectious disease doctor, you're not always looking at those types of infections. But if autoimmunity is in the picture, there chances are there is infection in the picture. Yeah, and one of the things that we do on all the podcasts is we offer a 15-minute free strategy session for anybody who is finding that they're connecting to some of the things that we've spoken about because we really do want to help you to find the best route and the best way to support your conditions. Um, You know, we would be happy to set that up and you can head over to Integrative Wellness Group to do that. Um, So again, we always love it if you will please write us a rating and review and subscribe to us on iTunes and we will talk to you next time.